everyone. Welcome back to the Go Blue with Stu podcast. I'm your host, Stu Douglas. This is Caroline Claire. This is my doggie. She wants no, she doesn't want to be here. Sorry, Carol. Welcome back. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Keep hitting the subscribe button on the YouTube. Uh, really appreciate all the support. We have a really great guest this week in Spike Albrecht. Really great guy. Uh, love to hang out with him. A lot of fun. A lot of good stories. Probably too many stories we can't tell on the pod compared to ones we can tell on the pod, but it was good nonetheless. Uh, we talked a little bit about Michigan basketball. He was actually at the Purdue game before Michigan shut down. We talked about the suspension, um, went over that a little bit and how, how tough that is for the guys. But yeah, it was really good. I hope you guys will really enjoy it. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. And uh, Spike, man, what's up? Appreciate you coming on the podcast. Ooh, what's up, brother? Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So have you watched Michigan this year and what are your thoughts on the team? Yeah, I have. I've actually, I've been able to catch quite a few games. Um, I was just recently at their game versus Purdue uh, before they got shut down. Um, that was my first time seeing them live in person, obviously with everything going on. Yeah, that's cool with everything going on. Yeah. But dude, I was, I'll tell you what, I was super impressed, man. The, the first thing that stood out to me, I could not believe how like big and strong these dudes were. I sent Sanderson a text after the game and I was like, Sanderson, like kudos to you, man. Like, that was the first time because I, I had been on both sides. I, you know, I played him obviously at Michigan before he's Purdue, and I was like, rarely do you see Purdue teams like get out physical and like just yeah. out. And like, dude, Michigan's got some grown ass men. Yeah, like, it's Ron, impressive. Isaiah, that Sean Brown kid, dude. I'm like, what? What are we feeding these dudes? Like. You know, so I texted him, I was like, this team, like, has a chance to, like, seriously, you know, make a run, knock on wood, hopefully, you know, they get back to playing here soon, but they yeah. got, ex- they got their balance, got all the right pieces. Um, I was, I was excited, you know, after watching that game. Yeah, I'm like, if you told me Sean D was 35 and had three kids, I'd be like, yeah, of course, and, like, sells insurance. He's playing in the Y League on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> For kicks and giggles, yeah, he, he probably does it, yeah, like, on top of everything. He seems like that type of guy. Yeah, it's impressive. Like, obviously, you got the NBA guys, but like, even Hunter coming in, granted, he's 20. Franz is one year older, but it is nice to have the two graduate guys come in. And like, with that experience and the strength, you got the, the, the age and the experience. Like, it is impressive. But that, that brings me to you and your time. And you played at Purdue in your fifth year. And like, Yours was a little different coming into the team. Like, I want to get into some more of this later, but these guys seem to fit in. Like, Mike Smith seems to fit in. Sean D seems to fit in. Like, did you have a similar experience coming in the fifth year? Because it is a very unique experience, and I don't think people really get asked it too much. Like, it's a unique experience on many different levels. So, like, was it easy for you? Was it hard? Like, what, what was it all? Like, go through that for me. Yeah, for me, for me, it was easy, man. Um you know, and obviously I was in a much different role than Mike is at Michigan, yeah. like Mike starting playing the majority of the minutes. Like I came off the bench at Purdue. Um, but with coach Payne, he was just so easy going and he was so like honest and upfront, you know, throughout that recruiting process, I kind of knew what I was getting myself into, you know, and I, I think, you know, when, when you're like a fifth year, so guys like myself and Mike, when you're going through that recruiting the second time, you got a better feel for like what you're looking for 
and what you're about to get yourself into. Yeah. You know, so I remember just leaving Purdue after my visit, and I was like, hey, these are good dudes. Like, this is a good culture, similar to what I just had at Michigan for four years. Um, so for me, it was a really easy transition. Um, and it looks the same for Mike. And I'll say this, like, him and Juwan look like they have a great relationship. Like, just watching the game, I was really keeping an eye on Coach Howard. Like, you could just tell he really liked that Mike Smith kid. So, yeah. obviously, he's a super important piece. Yeah, it's funny to watch him. I wouldn't say struggle, but, like, just you have to find your footing on a team that's established or, like, a, just a brand-new team as a fifth-year guy, and you're like, you got to be the point guard and lead things. And it's like – there was, there was so many times he was getting the paint in the first few games where it's like, dude, just shoot the ball. Like, be a little more aggressive. Do your thing. And then he did – I think he, he hit uh, – who was it? Who was the white kid for Wisconsin? It was like – Brad Davidson? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The one who trips everyone, like, like Grayson Allen. Yeah, he hit that, like, little, like, step back, sort of, like, stop and go, step back on him. And I'm like, okay, there's, there's the Mike yeah. Smith kid from Columbia. Like, there's a score. And, like, you just – it takes time to get comfortable with that, I feel like. For sure. And like a lot of it too, man, is, and I was, I was one of them because I was out on the East Coast coaching at prep school last year. So I had seen Mike and I, you know, I know a lot about the Ivies and stuff. And he was, a, he was ball dominant. Like he was making all their plays. So it's like you come into a new team, you're like, hey, I go from averaging 18, quick taking 14, 50, 15 shots a game. Like he's feeling himself out. And yeah. I felt like, oh, I'm sure the preseason it took him some time, but he looks comfortable. He's rolling now. Yeah. I'm interested about the whole process. Like, like you said, you went through it for a second time recruiting, basically. Like, did you know what to look for or was it just like, I'm taking any and all calls? Um, you know what? I, I took most calls. I'll, I'll be completely honest. Mm -hmm. uh, the only ones I didn't take and I won't name drop programs, but like if I just, if I knew, you know, the coach was a dick or the, or the program was slimy. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I know I'm not doing that. So I'm not going to waste, you know, their time, waste my time. Um, but a lot of it was, man, like I took a lot of the calls cause you know, I, I wanted to see what the best option was for me and where I was going to have a chance to come in and play and contribute um, and just see like what they, they saw in me and how I could bring value to the team. Um, you know, but ultimately I think, you know, I didn't have a ton of, a ton of options and Purdue was definitely, you know, my, my best option when it was all said and done. Yeah. You got some insight to coach painter. And I was just actually talking to my trainer the other day, cause he trained some kids on, on Purdue right now. Um, and they were kind of discussing, he said he was discussing uh, coach painter style with the parents and like going back and forth. And I'm like, I feel like coach painter is the guy where like, if you're good and you're going to be aggressive and get the shots, like offense, you can kind of do whatever you want. And defensively is where you got to really lock in. But is, is that true, like, on the offensive end? Yeah. I mean, he has his style of play and, like, you know, what he's running. But, dude, Coach Payne's a player's coach. He's definitely more defensive-minded. Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, when I was there, it was Coach Gary, who's Greg Gary, who's not a head coach at Mercer. And right now it's it's Shrews from from the Celtics. Like, yeah. Payne's, Payne's pretty hands-off, man, on the offensive end, to be honest. Um like obviously he's he's the head coach and he has final say and stuff. Yeah. But really lets his assistants like, you know, take the reins on that. Like almost like offensive and defensive coordinator like you see in football. Um, but dude, he he was pretty lax. I mean, look what look what he let Carson Edwards do. That's, like if you're yeah, like you know anybody who's like dude, that dude had the ultimate green light. And, and granted, 
he deserved to because what he could do was crazy. But, like, I heard the same thing coming in. Everybody, like, oh, Coach Paints, this and that. Like, look how they play. You know, he holds people back. He's crazy. And, like, dude, Paint was the coolest dude ever. I had so much fun playing for him that last year. Like, first of all, he's funny as hell. <laughs> Second of all, he's a brilliant basketball mind. Um, now, it was tough for me, man, because his style of play was completely different than, than Coach B's. Like, yeah. <laughs> two-guard offense, a lot of ball screens. So it was a much better fit for me in my style of play. Yeah. Like, dude, it is what it is, you know? Like, it, it, it was fine. Yeah. It's funny because I've always – not always, but I was – I've sometimes looked at Coach Painter like, eh, I don't know. But then the more yeah. I've heard about him, like, the freedom and just, like – he just, like, manages things, which I guess is – I just – I expected more of a micromanager – Instead oh. of more of like a hands-off guy. I don't know. He gives off that like vibe where it's like more militaristic. I'm like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. You know what? I, and I heard that like while I was getting recruited there. And I think he might have been a little bit more like that. Like during, you know, during your time and like yeah. the rock player and all that. But I had heard he kind of, he calmed down over the years. Um, but yeah, man, like. I think it goes back to the same thing. Like you guys won the Big Ten that year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like you guys had a good team and, you know, when Beeline and you, you had Beeline when the championship for 2012, 2013 season. And I'm watching the, the games for that year. And I'm like, why is like Coach Beeline is so chill on the sideline right now? Like what is going on? And I'm like, oh, the, they got all this talent. Like he doesn't have to be he doesn't have to be this serious. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I wanted to get into a little bit more about your transfer because you know back in the day i talked to bfl and i think i talked to you a little bit as well For about sure. transferring within the big 10 and like how big of a deal that was and now that's more open and uh, beeline came around on that but the year before you transferred bfl i think even went through a petition like through the university and like there's a whole process that he had to go through in order to transfer to iu um yeah. and it ended up being i mean incredible for him i mean he won a big 10 championship same thing for you. Like it really, it really helped his, his basketball career. Um, but he did that the year before you and you still came up with a little bit of, I guess, some um, pause from Beeline on that. Like, you know, it wasn't easy for him to let you do that, but you know, did you have talks with him or were you just kind of like, you know, Hey coach, whatever you want, I'll do. Uh, I would really like to go to Purdue, but you were kind of just kind of in the background. Like where were you at? Like talking to him with all that. Yeah, you know what, man? Um, my my last year, like it was it was a complete shit show because yeah. of my whole surgery and like, you know, I was so frustrated with how everything turned out from that surgery and the fact that I wasn't back playing and that I didn't finish my career at Michigan. I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I was I was, you know, I've told Coach B this before. I was pretty immature about the whole process because I was just like, I was mad at the world because I was like, sure. there's no way dealing with this my senior year like I was like I wanted to finish my career out of Michigan because it was such an unbelievable you know three and a half years um but I remember going to him because I, I did the red shirt um and then you know I, I the season ended and I really didn't know what I was going to do because I didn't know where my health was at um I knew I wasn't going to go overseas I was either like just going to go get a job or, or try to get the fifth year mm -hmm. you know that's why I saved the medical red shirt in my back pocket um, but I just remember going to him after the season was like, Hey coach, cause we had Xavier Simpson coming in. 
Yeah. And dude, you know how it is. Like I'm coming off and we had conversations, me and coach B and like, he was kind of asking me what I was going to do. What are you thinking? And, you know, they didn't really have scholarships available. He had X coming in. D Walt was still on the roster. So I was like, like, dude, I'm not going to play here. Like, come on. <laughs> you know, I wasn't playing anyway. So now we got X coming in. Um, so I, I remember I went to him and he was pretty cool with it, man. Yeah. Like, you know, at, at first I think he was hesitant just because of everything that he went through with Max. Um, but I honestly, because until that whole thing broke where like the, the big 10 jumped in or whatever it was, like I wasn't even looking at big, big 10 schools cause they couldn't hit me up. Um, until like it was cleared through whatever the hell process. Oh, okay. So I was looking at a lot of like West coast schools. I was looking at like, Arizona, UCLA, like crazy schools, uh, Syracuse. But then once the Big Ten thing got cleared, Purdue was one of the first schools to reach out. And I knew they were interested just because, like, I had mutual friends. And you know how it is. You hear through the grapevine. And, For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, once this thing gets waived, like, Spike, we're going to hit you up. Um, and once it finally got waived, like, Coach B literally called me. And he wasn't, like, even fighting it at the time. He was just, like, I remember him calling me. He was like, dude, he's like, I don't know what's going on. Like, this is becoming such a mess. And you know how it is with the media. They yeah. try to blow everything up. Yeah. And he just told me. Um, and I was actually on a plane, but he called me. He was like, he's like, Spike, dude, this is exhausting. Like, I don't even know what. He goes, dude, he goes, I've told everybody, like, I love you. You're fine. Just go wherever the hell you want. And, like, it's like I called him back. And that was that, you know. Yeah. Um, but it was like it, it got super blown up in the media. And it turned into, like, oh, me and Coach B are butting heads. And I'm pissed. He's, I was like. Dude, I wasn't even talking to any Big Ten schools. You know, he wasn't holding me back from going to Big Ten schools. Um, that was just a rule in place. So I wasn't even thinking about appealing it um, until the media got a hold of it. And then he just, like, pretty much said, he's like, dude, go wherever you want. Like, I'm not trying to trying to deal with this, you know? Yeah, I mean, I can see, like, he had, had rules in place when I was playing. Like, yeah. you couldn't be – he didn't want you to transfer – or he wouldn't let you transfer to, like, a opponent – that we were going to play for the next two years. And obviously like they could stop all uh, intra-conference transfers. And even like back then it was like, you could stop a guy going to like, if you wanted to go to UCLA and be honest, like, Nope. And that, that kind of got out of favor, like quick. I don't even know if they made a rule about that, but like, I will say it is nice that the media like did show how one-sided it could be. Cause I remember, God, I can't remember who transferred. Maybe it was that uh, that kid with the tattoos, White from Iowa. What's his name? Aaron White. White? Did he transfer? I think from Wisconsin. And then like oh, Bo yeah. Ryan tried to like, Bo Ryan shut down a bunch of schools and like Iowa, something like that. And it was like just so much power that these guys have, especially in football. So it's funny to see Beeline in the end be like, whatever, dude. Like, you know, I don't really care. I understand his side of it, but in the end, it's like, you know, person to person. Well, dude, and Stu, and you know this, and like, and Coach B was cool because it's not like it was Coach B's rule, you know? Like, the he's stuff going to follow every rule he can. Like, that's all it is. It, and like, it is what it is. Those are just, those are the rules. It's not like it was a Coach B line thing. It was an NCAA thing or, or a Big Ten thing, whatever it was. But like, and, and this just goes back to like what you're saying. And I'm not, you know, granted, I was a transfer, but I'm not someone who like, hey, every time you face a little adversity, you're like, you don't get the minutes you want, boom, transfer. Like, I don't think that should happen. Right. But look at these, look at these coaches, dude. Coaches can get up and leave whenever the hell they want. 
And like, I know a lot of coaches who've gone, gone from, you know, conference to conference. Yeah. I mean, Jeff Meyer was at IU and he was at Michigan. Yeah. Like he didn't give a beat. He's collecting yeah. checks, bro. Yeah. Like, and, they, and they have the ultimate strategy. Like they have the ultimate plan against the other team. Like what's the big deal there? Like there isn't, there's never been a big deal, but it, it's always about control. It's always been about control and it'll continue to be about control as long as Mark Emmert is the head of the NCAA. And like my, my, my mom, my mom asked me today, she's like, would you work for the NCAA? Cause you know, they're headquartered in Indy. And I was like, uh, not as long as Mark Emmert is the head of it. Like no way in hell, like things got to change, but dude, it's by, by the way, not to knock on like him or the NCAA, but just like when I was at Louisville, I mean, dude, we're in the middle of a pandemic, this whole COVID it's like people were scrambling. Dude, teams were on their own to, like, fend for themselves. Like, in terms of protocol, scheduling. Like, it was a complete crab shoot. I had never seen anything like it. Like, our Dobo and our staff at Louisville, like, they were just doing, like, however they wanted with scheduling. And I'm like, yo, where is the leadership? Like, where is the consistency? Like, throughout the NCAA, it was like, yeah. dude, day, it's just CYA, cover your ass. Like, nobody wanted to say anything. And I'm like, this is embarrassing, like, in my opinion. It's weird. And that's why the new, like the, what department of health of Michigan came in and basically was like, shut, they came in and was like, shut down Michigan athletics. I believe is what I read. That was the process. And people are complaining about it. Like it won't work. You know, some of the athletes came out and said they want to play. Like I understand both sides, but it's like, if somebody's not going to step up and make some rules here and like give some guidelines and boundaries that are, you know, feasible and like a such a sticky situation then yeah you're gonna get these strict 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 guidelines which to me it's like play the cautious part first like I, i'd rather go that side than to not be cautious and let guys you know let each individual do their own thing um but it's tough i, I don't know i can't speak because i'm not in the middle of it uh, i can only speak from the outside and like, I've been home the entire time. I don't go anywhere. So it's like, I'm not like trying to compete for anything. So it's, I don't know. It's, it's very tricky with all these things. No question, man. I hear you. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to get into your hip because it is a very unique situation as well. Like not only did you have your fifth year transfer, which is, which is unique in that experience, but your hip surgery. And then I was looking at a lot of your big games you had your junior year. And I was yep. thinking about guys that I've known that had these hip surgeries um, shout out Ben Cronin. He was one, my freshman roommate and it, you know, messed up his hip for a while. Um, but these guys deal with these hip surgeries or deal with these hip problems a long time before surgery. And I was made me think like, how long were you dealing with that before you said, okay, I need to finally just get surgery and deal with this. Yeah. So I, I had been dealing with it, honestly, man, since, since high school, like I, yeah. I knew about it. Um, cause it was a genetic thing. And like mm. the guy I started going to, like my personal trainer back in high school, you know, like he knew all about it and we trained a specific way because of it. Um, you know, and like I had MRI imaging done in high school and he's like, oh yeah, he's like, you're well on your way. And I was like, that's, that's not what I want to hear. Nope. Um, but like, dude, you know how it is. Like I'm, I was relatively young, um, you know, felt good and like, sure. I had to make some pains here, but everyone, you know, deals with that. Um, I'll say when I really started to notice it, like when I got to college, um, was after my sophomore year. Like by the end of my sophomore year, I was like, dang. And I met with the team docs after, and they they even told me then, they recommended, they're like, you you should get the surgery now. Mm. And I was like, 
I was like, dude, I'm, I'm 21, 22 years old. I was like, I don't need surgery. And I knew I wasn't going to go play in the NBA or play overseas. I was like, I got to get through two years. I was like, I'll be fine. Just because you never know, like, who you're going to be after surgery. Yeah. Um, came back my junior year of play, and, and that year was just like every other day something was coming up. Like, you know, I could feel it in my hip flexion. Like, it'd lock up on me. It was just – it was honestly – it was a pain in the ass to try to get through that season and, like <laughs> – you know, Coach B was so awesome and like helping me out with practices and yeah. you know, I was on like the the old man veteran load management schedule in practice because um, everybody knew like I wasn't out there milking it. You know, I had right. legit, legit problems, um, but you know it was it was not fun dealing with that. Um, but, I mean, yeah, and at that point you're a junior. I mean, I remember my senior year, like Zach and I just would literally sit out drills because Beeline's like the. <laughs> all the freshmen and sophomores, they need to get all the reps in. So at that point, you're like, Spike knows what he's doing. Cruise control. But that's gotta be, I mean, I don't know, super, super frustrating. I know you're just trying to get through two years, but you're having these games your junior year where like you killed Syracuse. You're having all these big assist numbers and like having big games and filling in for Derek when, when you need to. Um, and it's just like dealing with that mentally and like your prime, like, were you able to get to like, did you have to seek help? I mean, it's not easy to seek help at that age, but how do you get through that on a day-to-day basis? Like, is it just the one day at a time grind that, you know, we're used to in college? Is it just simply just that? Yeah, it was, dude, I had some, I had some like major highs and lows. Yeah. You know, cause that was like, like the first time in my, in my life where, I was like, man, like I, I wasn't playing well. Like I had spells like that junior year. There was a stretch where I was just awful for like four or five games. Couldn't throw it in the ocean. And like, I was as low as I had ever been in basketball. And like, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty confident player and, yeah. you know, um, so it was, it was definitely a struggle. Um, I had remember I had met with G Harden a couple of times. Um, but like, it, it got to the point, man, where like, I knew we would always play like Tuesdays and Saturdays. Right. And I would, it was the weirdest thing. Like I would play, I would play really well on the Saturday game (laughs) because I knew I had like three or four days off. And then like the quick turnarounds killed me, man. So I was just, and it did, it just became like a mental hurdle. Um, So it was, it was definitely tough at times, but like, dude, you just do your best to, you know, to manage it the best you can. And, um, you know, I was, I was super lucky to docs and the trainers took good care of me. Um, I got a cortisone shot once or twice that helped kind of temporarily get me through a couple weeks at a time oh, like yeah. super, for about two weeks. Um, then I came back down to reality, but, uh, did those just, work for you for about two weeks, man? It was you know, it? felt like I was 18 again for like two weeks. And then I was like, <laughs> that's good. Dude, I, I like, took one, sh- I took one shot. I was in Israel. Like it was my third, fourth year. And like my whole glute was locked up. And I took a shot like right in my butt. I'm like, all right, feels pretty good. And like, I'm yeah. telling you, like I could barely walk like before the game or like before yeah. I got the shot. And then I get there and like halftime, it just wears off. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, I want the good stuff. Give me like the, the stuff made for horses. You know what I'm saying? Like I need the, that two week, three week stuff. Yeah, no, no question, man. So you obviously are extremely well known for the freshman year. Really, I would say tournament run. I was looking up some crazy stuff. Like, I'm, I want to go through it because it's 
it's pretty ridiculous. And you said you're a very confident player and you had to be confident to, to do this. You made your first nine threes in the NCAA tournament that year. And that tied Sam Cassell for a tournament record, which I imagine is still there. Like that's ridiculous to hold that record. And, but the big one was 17 points in the first half, like in the championship game and our own, you know, this podcast is under the field of 68 and thanks to Jeff Goodman and Rob Doster and Rob wrote about you and he called it arguably the most memorable half of basketball you'll ever see. And I remember watching it and just watching the highlights over and over. And it just looked like a stream of consciousness. Like, did you, did it feel real at all? You know what, dude, I, I'll be honest. Like it, it happened so fast. And even like thinking back, it, it was such a blur. Mm-hmm. Like people talk all the time about being in the zone, but like, I literally do joke with people when they ask me about it. Now I was like, yeah, I literally blacked out. Like, <laughs> it was like one of those types of experiences. Yeah. Like, dude, and, I, and you know this, but dude, I promise you in that first half, like the, the rim felt like an ocean. Like, I don't even know what was going on. But I just felt like everything I was shooting was just like, I was like, there's just no way I'm going to miss if I shoot this ball. <laughs> like, um, That's crazy. I, you know, it helps when Louisville probably didn't know who I was. So I had some open looks too. But once you one go through, man. Yeah. You know, and I had been in a good groove and, you know, throughout the tournament and just playing with a lot of confidence. Um, but once I seen that first one go down in that, in that championship game, I was like, okay, like, I still got it. Like, I still got it. <laughs> This is why I hate halftimes. I am a big proponent of getting rid of halftimes. Like, give me like a four-minute timeout. We can just sit on the sideline a little bit and then get back to it. Like, I, I hate the break of flow. The worst, dude. But you know what? For me, I was like, I remember going into half and I was pissed because we lost the whole momentum. You know, we should have been up like eight or ten going into half. We go up one. But I just remember thinking, I was like, all right, like, hey, I did my job, like, Trey, you come in and just win us the game. Now. Yeah, somebody do something else here. Yo, Leon can't do everything, bro. Like, I was, uh, you know, but it, it did, like, in terms of what you're talking about, like, the momentum shifted, my adrenaline, and, like, honestly, I burned so much energy in that first half. Good God. I was going crazy, screaming, yelling, like, and that's just – and I played 15 minutes, which I never do. Yeah. I was I was exhausted in that second half for sure. Yeah, that it is, it's such a difficult thing to do that I found like for myself where I have like a big stretch of success and like hit like three shots in a row. And then there'll be like a lull in play. And then I'm like, then I start consciously thinking about yeah. what I just did. And I'm like, oh, this isn't unconscious anymore. Like I got to like make the next shot. And then I start pressing. And I'm oh, like, wait. I did that in the first half. I've done that a bunch of times, like big first half. And then the second half, you're like, all right, you know, I just need like four more points, three more points for 20. And then you don't get it in the end of the game. You're like, what the hell just happened here? But it's, no, it's the plight. It's like just the plight of basketball and, and having an overactive brain, honestly, it is, I don't wish it on anybody. No, I hear you. <laughs> After that, somebody asked me, I think it was, I was talking to Brandon Quinn. And he was Brandon. talking about, uh, yeah, he was talking about like, I don't remember who, I think it was him talking about like recognition on campus, like after my Michigan state shot. And I was like, still not, not that great. Like, I'm just like the average looking white dude. Like, 
yeah. not really getting much recognition. And then I was thinking, you know, before this interview, if I did that on a national stage, like the NCAA tournament, even as a freshman, like I get back on campus and I feel like it'd be a totally different feel. Like after you were on game day, college game day, if I remember correctly, right? For what? Oh yeah, the following year? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, did you get back immediately and it was, was it different? And Michigan's a little different because it's a little nerdier. It's a little yeah. nerdier and like, not quite like if you were doing this at IU or something, but what I mean, what do, did you feel like a shift in everything? Dude, it was insane. <laughs> and like, I'm like you, man. I mean, I'm 5'11". I, I look like everybody else on campus, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this, like, obviously it being in the national championship on that stage, but also like basketball was humming, right? Football was struggling a little bit. Basketball was humming. Yeah. Yeah. So like we're jumping on the bandwagon. Like everybody was following us into the tournament. And I'll say this too, cause I was, I was a freshman. I looked like I'm 12 years old. So like I was super shy. I, you know, I didn't go out really party, do anything like that until after that, then we'll get into that. But, <laughs> but like, Dude, my teammates and all those guys, because it was just such a crazy story and just like totally un unexpected, they gassed it so much and like they threw much throw threw so much fuel onto the fire. Like when I got back on campus, like we had this rally at, at Chrysler and like yeah, yeah, yeah. so embarrassed, but they were like, I mean, Coach Beeline was calling me the most eligible bachelor, like just all sorts of crazy stuff. I forgot about that. It was we played, I think that game was like April eighth. You know, and you know, Michigan, we get out early. So we got out like April 21st. We were like two or three weeks left in, in class. And it was just crazy. Like those two or three weeks. Um, and I went from like a virtually unknown who like, I would tell people on like, we go out to parties. It's like, yeah, like, hey, I'm on the golf team. Like nobody knew who the hell I was. Yeah. When I got back, it was, it was pretty crazy. Well, see, um, I always went after, after school was out in April, I always went down to little five. Immediately. Yeah. I mean, I left immediately when I had a little five or a Grand Prix at Purdue. Yeah, you're an, you're an indie boy too, Carl. Yeah, yeah so. exactly. I, I, know, I know all about that. That was always fun. Uh, but you stayed on campus after that? Well, for, for those two and a half weeks, whatever it was, I had to finish class. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. What is it? May semester or, or summer one or spring one? Uh, um, I went home, dude, because I remember Sanderson, Sandman wanted me to stay and, and train all spring, and you know how he is. He's like, dude, we'll get you ready to roll. And I was like, dude, you're crazy. I was like, I'm going home. I was like, we just played a seven-month season. I was like, I need, a, I need a rest. No, it was a whirlwind. You need a break after that. Like, I don't care if it's a losing season. I need to, like, disconnect. No question. What was – from that, like, what was the wildest connection or, like, the wildest hookup? Not – not with a woman, but like somebody hooked you up with something or like a connection that somebody made, like a, a big name or something like what was like the wildest sort of uh, story that kind of came from that, like after the fact? Um, well, I, I would say I would say two things like the first thing was just and I don't even know, like off the top of my head, but like the amount of celebrities during that game, like who were were tweeting at me and tagging me and stuff. And like this Twitter was way different then, you know, it wasn't yeah. really, but like, I just remember I had all my boys hitting me up back home. Like, yo, 
like Reggie Bush is tweeting at Steve Kerr, like just random, like Phil Jack. I don't even know who, like all these crazy names. Um, so that was crazy. Like, I, I'd love to go back and look. Um, but my favorite in-person story, man, that I, I tell pretty much everyone anytime they ask was it was a couple years later. Um, by this time, it was, shoot, my, my junior year, junior, senior year. So I was 21, 22. Um, we were going into, into Rick's and Derek Jeter was in the house. So I think it was football weekend, Michigan, Michigan State. Mm. And dude, I'm, I'm a huge baseball fan. Like grew up playing shortstop. My name's freaking Spike after baseball. So yes. I love Jeter. Love Jeter. Um, and I remember talking to Hess over at, at Rick's and he's like, yo, Jeter's in the house. And I was like, he's like, you guys got to come see him. Say what's up. So I was like freaking kid in a candy shop. We go down there and he's like all in this roped off section, one of the booths. And I'm like, you know, rehearsing in my head what I'm about to say to him, you know, whatever. So, so dorky. But uh, we start walking over his way and like we all make eye contact. It was like me, Karis, I think Duncan and D-Walt. And like as we're walking towards him, I like kind of raise my hand to like point at him like, hey, like, yo, what's up? Like, and he's just like, yo, Spike and like waves me in. And I was like, no. I was like, Deeks does not know who I am. And at that point, I was like, that was that was pretty freaking awesome, man. Yeah, that's pretty good. I don't know if you can really top that anywhere else. No, no, he's a legend. <laughs> but also the, the other infamous story with you that I won't go into is the tweet at Kate Upton, right? Yeah. But our, our, our one mutual great friend, Zach Novak, wants you to tell the, uh, the true story of who came up with that idea. Dude. Every time it gets brought up, he loves taking credit. He does. He loves, he loves it. Um, I will say he definitely was, was one of them. There was, there was a lot of guys. <clears throat> well, first of all, I didn't know she was at the game, you know? Yeah, I don't remember. Um, and I, I can't even remember who was like, yo, you need, to, you need to tweet at or something like that. And I was just like, you know how Coach B is, man. I was like, dude, I'm not tweeting at it. We just lost. Coach B's going to be pissed. And they were like, dude, this is different. Like, you got to do it. Yeah, it's a little different. Yeah, and Novak was like, I remember he said something funny. He's like, dude, because everybody's like, what are the chances of her tweeting you back? He's like, better than you scoring 17 in the first half of next year. <laughs> so he was definitely one of them. Um, I remember Stauskas, Bogridge, all those guys um, were bugging me to do it. I just remember as soon as I fired off the tweet, man, I was like, like, oh, shit. Like, this is about to blow up. You know, like, it started – getting retweets and likes and um but it turned out to be it turned out to be funny coach b was cool with it so uh yeah that probably got more recognition in the game to be honest honestly it might have i think that was covered by anybody and everybody not, not even basketball people yeah no question that reminds me that vogrich was a part of this whole uh championship game celebration thing and i'm wondering if you guys were ever worried about his health and safety during that celebration i feel yeah. like that man was like could have been on a missing poster for about three weeks after that. Dude, Bogey, first of all, I, I love Bogey. Love so, Bogey. And, and I was old for a freshman, man. So, like, I always hung with the older dudes. I had Bogey and then Blake. So, Bogey and Bird. We had, like, our little game ritual. Like, I sat in between them both, and, like, they kind of brought me under their wing. But Bogey was the king of the cellies. Like, he had his little, like, his little head celebration he used to do. It's just so funny. And honestly, like, and, and you know this, dude, Bogey could hoop, too. Dude, like, so Bogey good. Fuck it. He was the best scout team player. Him and Esso. I was oh. just like – and they're such a huge part of that, that team's success, man. Those practices were so competitive because, like, we were – shit, Karras was on scout team through half the year. Yeah. 
was like, dude, this kid, can we get him off the scout team? I was like, no one can guard him. Yeah, it's the unsung heroes like that. Like, it actually makes a big difference because if you're going through, walking through stuff and you got to prepare for, I don't know, Peyton Siva. And it's like, you can't really prepare for him because everyone sucks on the scout team. Then it's like, you get in there and you're like, damn, like, what, what the hell did we just get hit with? Exactly. Esso was, was the best one-on-one player in our entire team, like, every year I was there. Dude, I, I tell people all the time, man, Esso, that dude, he's the most self selfless teammate I've ever had. Like, dude, there were so many times I was a freshman, he was a senior, he was cooking me in practice. And I was like, I mean, I remember even thinking, I was like, dude, Coach B, he should probably be playing in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> he's a lot better than me. But like, I just, I brought something different to the, you know, to the table than, than Esso. Um, but like, man, he was a trooper for sure. And he was filthy in practice. There's no doubt. I mean, him and Vogrich, like, that's just nonstop buckets. Karis, I don't even know if you guys can win every, every day. Yeah, we took some L's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, those are always great because then they, they let you know about it and then you feel like ass. So that's good. Okay, so we got a few more things. And I told you to think of a good beeline story. Did you come up with a good beeline story? Yeah, I, I got a pretty good one. Um, okay, hit me with it. Yeah, well, there, you know, and there's a ton of Coach B stories, but, you know, he's a great dude. But this this is a funny one um, that, that I, I thought you'd get a kick out of. So after that year, after freshman year, we go to the national championship. Um, Glenn and Mitch announced they're coming back to, like, it was those two, Nick and Karis, myself. So, like, our five, we we were rolling, man. Like, we had a ton of juice running into sophomore year. We thought we were hot shit. That summer when we got back going into sophomore year, um, I remember, like, we thought we were, like, the big man on campus. We had, we had a class in the summer, and we all decided to skip the class. Just thinking, like, ah, eh, what's, what's the worst I could have? We'll skip class. Like, you know, we just came off of, you know – national championship game like i'm sure coach b's cool with it <laughs> dude tommy jones was there i remember like we get the text from whoever and it's like yo coach b's office and i was just like oh no and uh we're in his office and like all five of us i'm at the end of the road and he just goes one by one he's going like mitch glenn he's kind of like going in on him he can't say a ton because like they were just thinking about leaving for the nba they came back you know, there are two superstars, Nick and Karras are both studs. And like, he's kind of like reaming them like, hey, that's just not what we do at Michigan. Like, don't do that again. And then he gets to me on the last one. He's like, he gets to me, like, and Spike, he goes, if you ever do that again, I'm sending your ass back to a D3 school in Indiana so fast. <laughs> and I was like, that was when it was like a reality check. It was like, yep, like the national championship game over. I was like, if I fuck up again, I'm gone. So um but that's what I respect about Coach B too, man. Like he he was no nonsense and you know he does things the right way and you know he he values it all. So yeah. Um, but you know how Coach B can be with with his academics and stuff, man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was if you're not falling in line, following the rules, like you can get out. No I love that too. It's a great story because everyone's always like, you gotta treat everyone the same and coach people the same and blah blah blah. It's like not. Nah, no, you don't. Not when you got Mitch McGarry, Karis, Nick. Like, not everyone's the same in sports, all right? Like, some people get leeway, and there's a reason why they get that leeway. No question. I had minimal room for error, for yeah. sure. 
Exactly. Oh yeah. Yeah. Novak and I had a, a similar thing. That, that is for sure. Um, okay. Three more things that, that I like to end with, with everybody. One, one is a uh, new, it kind of started with Zach last, last episode, but first of three questions, take me back to your final game, which would be in Kansas city, right? Purdue, you lost to Kansas, right? Yeah. Yeah. You lost to Kansas, um, and, and I asked Zach like what his feelings were after our final game. We we got upset by Ohio. So take me back to that locker room. Like, what are your feelings that day in the locker room, and then even like the day after? Yeah. So so immediately after, man, it was just like it was just such a somber mood, and you're mm. just sitting. And, you know, first of all, it was a blowout. So it was like the last ten minutes of the game. I was like. Yeah, that was the worst because I was like, dude, I'm out here dribbling around. We're down 30. I was like, my career is literally over. You know, I knew I wasn't playing anymore. So like, I was just like, dang, it, it just, I was like, it sucked. And I started thinking like, and this was after the game the next day, I just remember thinking, I was like, dude, what's like, what's next? You know, I was like, cause man, I'm same with you. Like I'm from Indiana. Like all I've ever done is hooped. Yeah. You know, I love well, like, you know, I mean, I, I, like I, I didn't know what I was going to do. Like, right. am I going uh, to try to find a coaching? What am I going to do? And I remember I was like telling people that after like reporters were asking me, I was like, yo, like, I don't know if you know anybody who's like looking to hire somebody, like, I guess I got to start looking for jobs. You know? <laughs> I didn't even know what I wanted to do. Um, Cause all I really did was, was hoop, man. Yeah. Um, so it was just like those next couple of weeks. I just remember I was like, you know, like a funk. Um, and it was honestly like, it was hard for me, man like trying like transitioning out of basketball like yeah. I went and did, went and did corporate world you know for for a few years but I just remember like going through that process I was like having a hard time trying to like find something that could like light that fire like like I had with with basketball you know um and, I, and I'm still like you know I still have days where I'm like man I just wish I can go back and do it all again you know yeah so no it's a it's a Non-stop process, that is for sure. That is the thing that I've even playing basketball, it's like it's still a non-stop process figuring that out. Do I like it? Is is it still giving me that fire? Um and then you know, thinking about transitioning now. So it's like I'm like, oh, this is uh, you know, it'll never stop no matter what you're doing. So it's it's tough. But that's a that's an interesting answer to think about from from your perspective. Um but moving on to a more positive note, next question. Skeeps or Ricks? Ooh, that's that's a tough one, man. Um, it was Skeeps early on. Oh, right. Skeeps early on. Okay. Younger crowd, younger crowd. I'd say by the end, I, I transitioned more more to Ricks. Huh. Um, wait, 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 wait. For you, I have to change it. Skeeps, Ricks, or Harry's? Oh, you know, dude. I Harry's was fun. Ann Arbor was just was just sick. Ann Arbor was just so much for me. Ann Arbor was just a lot better. Um, Interesting. West Lafayette. Um, even though like my my boys and stuff at Purdue, like we we got down, we had a good time. Yeah, but, <laughs> I'm sure. But uh, just I love yeah, Ann Arbor is awesome, man. Great college town. Yeah, it is truly, truly. All right, last question. What is the one thing that you learned? 
at your time at Michigan that you still take away and, and you, you'll still think about and use to this day? Oh, man. Um, dude, it, it seems super cliche and super basic, man, but like even at the highest level, you know, like being at Michigan, being around, you know, guys like Coach Beeline, all these NBA players, mm -hmm. like the, my biggest takeaway is like, dude, just, just treat, treat people the right way. Like, for me, be a good human being, you know, be good to people, treat people how you want to be treated. Um, that sort of stuff goes a long way. Um, and I know that's super basic, but like, you know, and I know it's the same for you. Like, how many guys do you know in the NBA? And like, I talk to people and they're like, they think these dudes are like superhumans. And yeah. I'm like, I promise you, Karis LeVert's the most regular dude you'll ever meet. I was like, he's the most down to earth, nicest kid ever. So it's like, yeah, treat people well, you know, work hard. Um, and that's one thing definitely I, I learned from Michigan. If you, if you put in the work and you know, you're passionate about something, you work hard, like you can achieve special things. Yeah, no, that's evergreen. That is, that is forever, no matter where you're at. Uh, before we get out of here, talk to us, talk to the people about your Zoom workouts. Promote that a little bit. What, what have you been doing? Because you started out the pandemic and that's been going really well. So, uh, you know, hit us with that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, man. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm doing, I do Zoom ball healing sessions twice a week. Um, you know, started, like you said, back in the pandemic, just trying to give people something to do. Mm -hmm. um, now I'm kind of in the process of, of turning it into a full-time business where I'm doing, you know, both in-person and virtual training, not just ball handling, but, but shooting drills, all sorts of stuff. So I'm building out a website, um, getting ready to launch that here in the next couple of weeks, be posting on my social media. Um, but Where yeah, can we find that. What's your, what's your, uh, Instagram. So my Instagram, both Instagram and Twitter are spike Albrecht. Um, you know, you can email me at spike at spike .com. Um, but I'll be putting it all over my socials here in the next few weeks. Once we get it up and rolling, Cool. Um, definitely excited about it and see see where it goes yeah man that's awesome i was really it was really cool to see that grow even during the summer like you you put some uh some videos up on instagram I'm like damn man, a lot of people really tuning in it was really cool to see you take off because there's a thirst for that constantly and you're a perfect guy for that and i've watched your videos with with individuals that you've been doing and it's been really cool to see so i know you're you can kill it in that stuff so i wish you the best of luck I'm sure you'll do great. Um, yeah, and stick to it. And the way you've been doing it, I mean, you just keep going up and up and up. And you got the connects too, so that always helps. Certainly helps, man. Got to leverage those. That's why you be good to people, bro. You never exactly. know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, Spike, dude, I really appreciate you coming on. Hope to have you on again sometime uh, in the near future. And uh, yeah, man, take it easy. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Likewise, dude. Appreciate you, man. Yep.